Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review YouTube Rampage, baby, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT, but... Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week completes the video quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Sidgwick to review everything that happened on... Hey, I just met you. And this is crazy. But here's my number. This is baby. <laughs> and they're, they're trying, aren't they? Look, they paid off a long-simmering angle on this show with an absolute shock narrative development. The long gestating angle sucked. <laughs> but Jesus Christ, this was almost a restorative episode of AEW Rampage, not just for the brand itself, but for just the general vibe of the promotion. If you can let the worst thing of all time play out, yes. and it turns out to be awesome, I'm going to watch the next things with glee. Yeah. A sadistic glimmer in my eye, knowing <laughs> that if that's what you get from these rubbish angles, yeah. Yeah, I didn't anticipate if you'd have said to me on Friday... Big uh, big storyline development with the Roosh family office. And so, it's going to rule. Yeah, I wouldn't have been exactly rubbing my hands together. But, uh, yeah, it's weird, like, because we were talking about this in the office earlier about, like, you know, when Kingston and Punk used to get together on Rampage. Or, yeah, Punk would regularly wrestle, wrestle on there, of course. It's not quite to those levels, but it, it seems less of the ones for a few months back where they were literally like, Trust who's, who's about? Who wants, do you want anyone else fancy having a match? And you're like, look at this roster you've got. And, um, yeah. I appreciate that, even though a lot of them are just, you know, I wasn't there going, maybe Anthony Henry can get a bit of a steal one here against Darby yeah. Allen. But, yeah, topped and tailed by some uh, very interesting developments. Let's let's dive straight into it, Sige, because it started with that Ring of Honor tag team title match, FTR versus Top Flight. I had a weird viewing experience with this one, because as we mentioned on the preview, we went into this kind of knowing that something happens with Dante Martin. I thought the match didn't get a finish. I didn't. I, I, all I saw was the thing, and I was like, oh, I don't want to know anything. I hate those sort of spoilers and what have you. We obviously had to mention it on the preview because it was the elephant in the room, so to speak. But I watched that thinking, when's it coming? When's it coming? Yeah. When's it coming? And not to dismiss an injury, because I think I read it was a stinger. And yeah, I think if I had that, I'd be... Well, you wouldn't see me until 2023, probably. Um, but I was like, oh, 
Oh, it's all right. Like yeah. the match finished, we got you know nothing seemed to be messed up or anything like that. The story that they told was still able to be told despite this. Um, so I suppose not that I want to say, yeah, just just work through injuries if anything. Credit to Dante Martin for for working through the end of this match. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, by all accounts, the really sort of scary scene developed after the match itself. The match kind of went um, without incident or cited incident, mm. if you like. And they must have cut it out because it wasn't particularly scary or I basically would have been none the wiser, I think, mm. had I not read anything about it. So I do get what you were saying. Even though I had read Anthony Bones, who's really close, uh, with Dante Martin, say on Twitter, thankfully, he seems to be absolutely fine. Um, it was scary at the time, but there's no lasting effect, we don't think. Even equipped with that knowledge, he was still waiting for some mm. really awful bump and uh, I did temper my enjoyment of it, which was also undermined a bit by the crowd reaction, which took me by surprise. FTR are one of the most overacts in the company, so much so that despite being gift-wrapped, one of the most, not the most uh, exciting or life-affirming of runs, but my God, FTR can't be unhappy, surely. Mm. They're having the year of their lives. It could be better. I'm not saying it couldn't. Um but if you know how over they are and you know how exciting Top Flight are in the ring and you heard the atmosphere generated by the Chicago fans on Dynamite, you'd well expect this to be yeah. raucous, rollicking, loud. Um, I didn't really get that sense. No. Maybe they got spent and obviously there was such a great crowd um, that I can't begrudge them for tiring themselves out. But that certainly seemed to be the case because there were certain just really cool, dramatic shifts in momentum, certain sequences that I thought, I'm really into this. But again, and I, I'm not just saying it about WWE and War Games. If you don't get, if you get this weird dissonance between something that's ostensibly really cool, worked with stars who you know are over, and then you don't get the reaction on the night, it just, that dissonance never yeah. fails to just grim me out basically um i don't know what's going on with the north american ticket buying wrestling public but it's not as if wwe fans aren't getting what they want they got the big bloodline centerpiece at war games yeah. and they did not say a word did not chant anything towards the end yes they did but i'm watching kevin owens and uh roman reigns work this fairly blistering sequence where they're countering each other's stuff deep into the match where you know it counts and they're just apathetic and listless mm. and I got the same kind of vibe here I'm not going to go two footed on the Chicago crowd because they were great on Dynamite but I was just expecting more there were so many little small details in this match where I thought you are really really thinking about like, how meticulously you are working this match and laying it out I was honestly purring at certain mm. stuff like they do the sequence where it just felt so unchoreographed which is unusual for a top flight match because as exciting as they are they're still very raw you can still watch them put the matches together when the art is to make it very seamless. But here, and it just it's a credit to how fantastic and evolved at their craft FTR are, that they really, really just earned every single bump they took. Like, there was a bit where they were working, Dante and Darius were working the spot, and they do this DDT, but to get, I think it was Cash Wheeler, into position, got kicked in the shins, mm -hmm. so he fell forward a little bit, and then he got DDT. Just these little tiny moments where you think they are making every single second of this count and making it sort of believable in its own context. And I was really enjoying it, but the crowd reaction just wasn't there, and it was a little bit bleak. It was a bit of a shame, but I'll say another thing for FTR. I have a go with Dax Harwood. 
for his Twitter activity. <laughs> and it's not even him, right, that I find quite annoying at times, and I, I kind of do on his Twitter. It's the people in this tribalist team CM Punk and FTR versus Team Elite. And this kind of happened well before CM Punk was even in the company. The yeah. idea was that FTR or the hard-nosed, call it in the ring, how wrestling should be. And the Young Bucks are just these choreographed spot monkeys with their contrived matches, and they're very passive-aggressive. It's like FTR matches are very contrived. Like, I love them, and they are great, but they always find a moment where they are either locked in or are locking their opponents in these stereo submissions, and they're holding hands. Mm. Yeah, I was trying to get you to hold Sorry, my hand. Sorry, if you were just demonstrating, if you, oh, if you actually I just wanted to hold your hand. There, there you go. go. And they're like, that. oh, I can't submit or anything. Like, that's kind of contrived. Yeah. Um, I love it, but it's contrived pro wrestling. So I just get annoyed at this perception of FTR mm. because it's kind of wrong. I'll never not put them over, even though their Twitter activity or taxes <laughs> in particular just kind of really winds me up because it's so hypocritical in terms of they go on and on and on is if they are just calling it in the ring, the classic purest sense of the work, and they don't chase star ratings, and they even have the seven-star FTR thing as a knock on Meltzer and his rating system. They lay out <laughs> their matches deliberately, deliberately to chase the five-star rating. Mm-hmm. They have done since they win NXT, and for them to say otherwise, I just think it's a bit shambolic, to be honest. Except here... They didn't work this 20-minute match where it didn't need to go 20 minutes because at this point, their characters are so above top flights. They got a test. They got a fright, in fact. But they just were the FTR that they say. They are the FTR in the sheets. and There's an FTR on the streets and an FTR on the sheets here, right? <laughs> and they were both in this yeah. match. They bumped their asses off the top flight. For the first five minutes, I thought, have they done an offensive tandem maneuver here yeah. or not? They just sold and sold and sold for top flight here. What an absolutely brilliant, professional, like, anti-corny performance this was from FTR. I thought they did a tremendous job trying to really make top flight stuff matter mm. here. Just the atmosphere was lacking for me. Yeah, a couple of things to talk off what you were mentioning there. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone was going to go into this and buy a title change for a, for a top flight, but I think they got as close as they possibly could in this match because of the work FTR did. Um, yeah, the crowds thing, I don't want to complain too much. I think also there's an element of me that's just... You know, the British wrestling fan going, you ungrateful bastards. We've had to wait four years for AEW to come even close to us. So just going, yeah, it's all right. But I've seen seen good wrestling already tonight. We haven't seen it before. I haven't seen any of it. Yeah. So there's that. And yeah, I I think there is a semblance of truth to to what FTR says. And I think, um, yes, it should have had at least, at the very bare minimum, more AEW tag title matches disregarding maybe tag, tag title reigns or what have you, it does feel, like you say, the year that they're having is going, you, congratulations, you've got a Porsche. Yeah, but I wanted a Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but you've got, like, oh, God, I'm having a bit of a rough year, Sige. Uh, all I'm getting is to wrestle Brian Danielson on Dynamite this week. Yeah, after wrestling Ricky Steamboat at the weekend. Yeah. Winning three separate championships, like going to do your 30-minute New Japan main events because you know you're going to get five there. Putting on, pro, uh, what I'd argue, the, one of the matches of the year with the Briscoes. Yeah. Like, Come not on. bad, is it? Nah, they, they're having the time of their lives. It's yeah. their fans who can't seem to believe this. Uh, but like you say, yeah, the story of this match was great because we knew what it was probably going to be going in. Oh, the speed and quickness of, of uh, and agility of top flighters. 
outfoxed FTR, but that exactly was what it was. Even to, into the first commercial break, yeah, I don't remember FTR really hitting anything. There was a moment where they're like, "Come here, you!" And then, yeah. like you say, they do the boop, 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 DDT sort of thing. Uh, there was a stereo Hurricane Rana bit from from Top Flight. But like I say, uh, by the way, just a, a quick word because I don't want to focus too much on Dante because I was going, "Where's the injury? Here it comes!" And there was a bit where he was like down longer than you'd anticipate, and that. Like I say, I don't know whether they edited something out or whatever. And I was like, oh, God, is this it? And then he'd spring back up and take another move or hit another move. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, he's, he's clearly he's not clearly fine, but he is what he is. God, I love Darius Martin. I, I wish the, the the bad luck he's had with injuries followed by like six weeks later, I think they said on commentary, that car crash. I think he's got, I mean, Dante, we've talked about loads, and he has as well. Darius has got such potential, hasn't he? Yeah, they both do as a unit. And pleasingly, because it doesn't always happen, like, they are better now than they were a year ago. And it just feels like these are an act really worth investing in. And FTR did an absolutely phenomenal professional mm. job with them. Yeah, they went to a break after a Darius hit Wheeler with a spinning DDT. And Wheeler was like, just give me a second, all right? And sort of collected himself on the outside. When we come back, um, top flight hitting them with dives again. Uh, heart in mouth time anytime Dante just goes I'll go up top which is quite a lot in his matches um, Harwood catches Dante though hits that slingshot powerbomb and dash uh, and Cash I've written dash here Cash comes off the top and gets a near fall with a frog splash um, FTR go for the big rig on Dante Darius breaks it up Dante catches Wheeler with a sunset flip into a jackknife cradle for a nice near fall Wheeler comes back Uppercuts Darius. That sends him into the ropes, but he uses that to come back and hit a Spanish fly, which I thought was really good. Harwood hits Darius with a brain buster. Goes for it on Dante, but he small packages him. There's some nice near falls with that and cradles and what have you. In the end, though, uh, Wheeler avoids the uh, nosedive from Dante, and Harwood catches him, chucks him up. Big rig, one, two, three. Post-match, gun club come out and just be knobheads on the ramp. I think they'll do that for winter is coming. Yeah. Yeah, because they've been building it for... Ages before, like well before all out at this point, mm. that match. So I expect it to get like um, the big branded dynamite treatment. It's not mm. going to revolution, or at least I hope not. It's been long enough, but yeah, I think they're going to do that at Winter is Coming. It would be surprising if they didn't and they just did it on a random dynamite because to do it on a random dynamite next week because who <laughs> really cares that much? But I think they want to give them the proper B level pay per view adjacent stage. That makes sense. Exactly. Uh, we get a nice vignette for Powerhouse Hobbs. There's a side of him you don't know. He's coming to take something uh, from you. There's a side of him I want to cheer for after watching this. Jesus yeah. Christ. I also watched that and thought, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be the one to, to lose at the pay-per-view. Yeah. I just, it was baffling, that decision with the whole Samoa Joe thing. I, thought, I think you and I both thought, oh, cool, so Joe's in there yeah. one way or another to take the fall. That's the thing. If you know anything about Hobbs' backstory, Jesus Christ. Um, it's astonishing ad- when they turned him heel. I know. But an, uh, he was great as a heel as well, but this, I don't know if it's the first hint towards a babyface turn, but the guy is so good, so easy to root for, that we shall see. Huge pap every time he hits a spine buster. Huge pap. It's like I've never seen it before. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Uh, right, then it was time for um, the Ocho! Chris Jericho and the JAS come out. Uh, Jericho got a plaster on his chest, and I thought, yep, yeah, that's bloody sore right now, Chris. Um, she lets mare to it though. Mm, yeah, I'm kidding. He's he's doing the visual storytelling because he's good. He uh, he comes out and brags about his his title defenses and uh, and the great match he obviously had uh, on Dynamite, which was presumably about 20 minutes ago for this yeah, crowd. Yeah. But still, um, he talks about yeah, uh, but all the effort he's put in and uh, and he says yeah, even despite 
you know, despite being cheap shot by that prick Claudio, it couldn't ruin my night. Who's going to uncrown the king of Ring of Honor? And now, of course, comes Claudio Castagnoli on the stage, and he talks about losing confidence in himself, but he's got it back now, and, uh, you know, he's desperate. He just wants one more shot at this Ring of Honor title. Um, there was a nice line, I think, from Excalibur saying, like, the 36th Ring of Honor world champion, and here's hoping he can be the 38th very soon or something like that. Um, yeah, and he, he says, oh, yeah, come on. Come on, Chris. You kind of cheated a little bit last time. Let's have another match. Let's have a better knuckle fight then. Um, and Jericho does the whole, should I give him a title shot? Yeah. No. <laughs> and, of course, that gets a reaction. Uh, he says, you got, you got nothing to offer me. And uh, Daddy Magic, legend that he is, goes, well, hold on a second there, Chris. I got a, got a, got a little idea. Um, he says, because uh, Claudio used to be a pretty damn good sports entertainer. And... Um, so he suggests, what about, okay, you get a title shot, Claudio, but if you lose, I think you'd be a pretty good member to join the JAS. And Jericho says, uh, kind of like that offer. Kind of making my nipples hard and gets a great reaction from Daddy Magic in the moment. Uh, and he says, yeah, if you want it, let's have it. Claudio accepts the match is made for final gear. Jericho versus Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor world title. As I said, if Jericho wins, Claudio joins the JS. This is one of those stipulations, rather than if you lose, you're gone forever, that I thought, I think Claudio's probably going to win the world title. But the wrinkle to it is I could also see him being like a begrudging member of the JAS as well. So I think the, the way they've set this up is quite nice. Uh, it is, but at the same time, the dread of watching Claudio... Look what they've done to my boy. Yeah, it's just, I just don't want this feud to continue anymore well, than it yeah. already has. It's taken up such an absolutely enormous portion of the year. If you think about it, an enormous portion of AEW's young history as well, that I guess, look, if the idea is for Claudio to win the title, and ultimately, at final battle, after all this time, pro wrestling wins out over sports entertainment, the end, everyone else can do different things. Claudio can do an open challenge on Rampage again. They can explore dissension within the JAS because they teased it with Sammy Guevara yeah. and Jericho. Let this be it. Let this be it, for <laughs> God's sake. I think even Tony Khan, when he was asked at the uh, on the media call ahead of Full Gear, not that many people are into the ROH thing, pal, <laughs> and he was like, oh, you know, it's done great pay-per-views, but, you know, I will reassess early next year. Come on, it's done. No yeah. one like it's. Uh, we say it every single week, and I'm getting bored of saying it, but I'm also getting bored of watching it. Like it's always very good fare when it happens in front of me. It's impossible to get excited about. It's absolutely impossible to get excited about, and I don't want to see the JAS versus BCC thing prolonged with this ridiculous storytelling mechanism that wrestling is so weirdly fond of. Mm. Where it's like, well, you signed a contract to do something. I've got no interest in wanting to do it. Why don't you want to do it then? Uh, I hate it. <laughs> I, I, reluctant things like the butler, like uh, Tony D and uh, Santos, Santos Escobar, yeah. hate it. Always hate think it. of John Cena and the Nexus. Oh, just destroy it from the inside then. Yeah. Oh, cool. So that was utterly pointless for me investing in it. Yeah, Jericho and Claudia, I think that it needs something because they've done it on free TV. They've teased it in tags. They've done it in four ways. I don't know if they're going to get a halfway decent buy rate, even by rebooted ROH standards for this. I... Need this to be the end. I absolutely need this to be the end. God damn it. <laughs> can't be asked for this on Dynamite anymore. I can't be asked for this really good to very good fare on Dynamite. Yeah. Because you know Dynamite itself far exceeds very good when it's at its yes, best. Yes, exactly. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, ironically, it was uh, Black Friday, of course, and uh, Tony Storms brought black eyes to AW Ravage. He's chatting with Renee Paquette backstage. Talks about uh, the women's world title and Renee's like, you know, uh, they've, they've said actually your title reign is now recognised as a proper, not interim title reign. She said, look, look at what I've put myself through. I obviously never viewed this title as interim. Uh, I broke my face um, winning and losing the title and I'll do it again. Um, <laughs> I like the line on commentary from Tony. I'm glad the interim was stripped from her title reign, and JR goes, bear that title forever. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, that's an interesting take there. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. More more Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm for me after that pay-per-view match. More of that, please. And I just love watching a wrestler who has lost a title be absolutely devastated and inconsolable about losing it. Rather than crush up a pancake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm, interesting well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I might agree with you on that yeah, one. Yeah. They should do this after every single title loss. They explored it to quite unreal effect um, after All Out 2020 when Hangman Page was interviewed. And he, the famous line, I just feel head to toe like poison. It should devastate people to lose what they have, in kayfabe, worked their entire career to achieve. Even if it's just a small thing like this. Get over the idea that mm. losing one of these things is absolute devastation. Miro questioned his beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Probably should have as well because he doesn't get booked. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. Lo- I don't think God's looking out for him anymore. But, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, this, isn't, this isn't one of those like, oh, we've got loads of all these, you know, they have got some, Karashida was on this show, got some incredibly talented women, and you could say, oh, okay, you're going to do Soraya next for Hater. This is very much not the case where I'm like, oh, God, you're going to run it back, Tony Storm. Yeah. yeah, fine. Yeah, do it on TV regularly, if anything, actually. Yeah. Actually. 
Anthony Henry versus Darby Allen came next. Excalibur putting over their history together, predating their time in AEW, of course. Um, Sting is there for Darby Allen because bloody JD Drake's there running interference for Anthony Henry. Um, JD Drake put his body on the line early. I can't remember who was on commentary. He was like, oh, cool. So that's why JD Drake's there to take the bullet, basically. Because, yeah. yeah, he shoves Anthony Henry out the way and takes the uh, high speed dive from. Uh, from Darby Allen, and that allows Henry to take over. It's a trip on the ring apron, and then chucks him into the barricade to take us to a break. Um, when we come back, I think Henry's still in control. Darby Allen's hanging upside down, um, and he uh, hits him with a hangman's neck breaker for a nice near fall there. Henry goes for a knee drop, misses. Darby Allen, Darby Allen fights back, hits him with a code red. They fight out to the floor. Um, and as they're going back in, of course, J.D. Drake sees an opportunity and hits a forearm on uh, Darby Allen, and of course that brings Sting to murder um, J.D. Drake, which is always good fun. It's one of those ones where I was, for some reason, watching this, I was thinking, what must be going through J.D. Drake's mind right now? Like, I'm getting beaten up by Sting. Yeah, it must rule. Like, even though it was just a simple, like, a punch and then chuck into the barricade, that's awesome, yeah. isn't it? Um, so they get back in the ring, Andy Henry hits a huge superplex from the top rope. Uh, goes for another one, though. Sort of Falcon Arrow-esque in terms of, like, oh, I'm keeping going with this. Um, and goes for another suplex. Darby Allen reverses into the Scorpion Death Drop uh, and then hits a coffin drop for the one, two, three. Aye. Well worked. Crowd didn't care. And that was about the extent of it. Um, I liked so much of this. I liked how it just existed as a fixture to get a star on TV. And the idea is that Darby Allen is a star. He should be presented opportunities by the promoter to win because one day he can vie for championships. This is all the kind of stuff I've been saying should exist for a while. The issue, despite some really good work in the match, is that if the workhorsemen had been solidly established as a really great unit that functions to lose, there might be a bit more interest here, but the wider audience at large have got no real reason to believe in green no. at all, and it was just reflected in the atmosphere. And again, you absolutely can't blame the crowd for this. You have to blame the promoter because they've put an act in a TV match of not insignificant length that the crowd have just been conditioned to, if they even know who he is, not really care about. Yeah. Uh, finally, a chance for us to talk about Athena because it all happened in amongst the pay-per-view, of course, and we didn't really, I didn't really get a chance to get your thoughts on her sort of official heel turn. She's been working stiff and blah, 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 uh, and doing a lot of stuff on uh, on the shows you don't really cover, but we've certainly noticed what they've been doing with her. Lexi's backstage with Athena, uh, who's pissed off, talking about, you know, all this, why are we not seeing what I've done? You got Why am I not on TV, et cetera, et cetera. She's been docked pay. She's been suspended for attacking uh, referee Aubrey, of course. Um, Lexi says, need a public apology. <laughs> Athena's so great. Deadbind goes, sorry. <laughs> and she goes, cool, well, that's it. you reinstated. She gets chased off by Athena at that point, cuts a promo down the lens uh, about Mercedes Martinez, um, saying, I was wondering when you were going to show up. I've been beating trash bag wrestler after trash bag wrestler, and now I want you, I want that Ring of Honor women's title. Uh, what did you make of Athena's uh, heel turn? And, uh, yeah, what, you, what are your thoughts on her targeting Mercedes Martinez? Like, uh, when the original turn happened, I tweeted... So the mega fans will forgive me for repeating this. Got like about 1,500 likes. It did all right. That this is the kind of pop that discipline makes possible. Yes. If you establish a rule, adhere to it, treat this forbidden thing as this sacrilegious thing if you were to do it, then you will get a huge pop like this. And it was on Rampage as well. 
and these fans went nuts with shock at the idea of the turn. Handled immaculately. And then the second that Mercedes Martinez came out, I went, oh, she's not going to work Storm because this was before full. Of course, yeah. Like, oh, that would have been a much better direction. A much better direction. They could even do Athena versus baby uh, situational babyface Jamie Hayter to advance the idea that Baker's starting to really resent Hayter because she's becoming the star. Yeah. And then the second that ROH was imposed upon this, I just lost interest because I've got no interest in the ROH brand for reasons I covered extensively on the preview. Mm which obviously is out of date, the Rampage preview, but there's a five-minute rant <laughs> that I unleashed on ROH that I think is relevant and sadly will continue to be relevant for the next couple of months at least. But in terms of a pure character perspective and just a general... It's very good. And in a general note, right, the way that they... I'm not saying this is a blow-away great promo from Athena. Even the deadpan, as you point out, was very, very good indeed, right? Can you remember watching um, Ember Moon and Tony Storm on NXT? I cringed for them. Mm. so many promos and interactions like the pie stuff when Ember Moon came back and she was like on the bike and stuff and she was doing backstage oh, skits God, yeah, with that thing I forgot about that. and then she was teaming with Shotzi Blackheart I believe yeah. and every time she had a microphone in her face I just cringed yeah. my skin outside of my flesh because it was horrible <laughs> WWE's way of doing things is horrific to the point where I watch Tony Storm and Athena cut promos and I'm into it. I believe what they're saying. Without it being awesome, it's just at the very least believable because they're mm-hmm. very clearly saying their own words and they are very clearly more relaxed in this environment that AEW's cultivated that WWE should never have moved beyond mm. all those years ago and for all that amount of time. WWE, uh, Fed sucks. That's what I, that's my, <laughs> honestly, I know it's very on brand for me to say, but whenever I say Tony Storm or Athena in this context, my mind immediately goes to, God, can the Fed do anything right? Mm. Yes, a fair Other point. than things to do with Sami Zayn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got a very brief women's match next. Uh, it was Kara Shida versus Queen Aminata. Uh, the Bunny and Penelope Ford come out uh, to sort of take Shida's attention. That allows Aminata to, to take control early on. I say early on. Early on in a, in a 75-second match. Um Aminar hits an, hits an eight or goes for an air raid crash, but Shida counters into a sunset flip. Uh, forearm, Falcon Arrow, Katana, one, two, three. Yeah, this is uh, very, very obligatory. I couldn't possibly care less as a result, but if they are trying to make Shida as Hater's next opponent a little bit more credible by way of her beating somebody else en route, I can't pretend to be asked about this, can mm. you? No. No. Let's, move on. Let's move on then. Um... <laughs> Felt very sorry for Alexi. But not the performers. I think everyone involved in this is good and deserves more opportunities. It's just very, uh, very get the broads on the show. Yeah. And it's just such a horrible way, yet again, of trying to tackle representation. Mm. Like, we're trying. Well, you're not, are you? You're giving 76 seconds. Yeah. I felt very sorry for Lexi now on this show. She's already been chased off earlier by uh, Athena. And then this bit, she goes to interview FTR and he goes, piss off. Uh, I'll just want to cut a promo. And he does and says, oh, we've had a great year. Uh, Cash is my best friend. Um, and he wants to fight the best. And he wants to fight Danielson. Not surprised. I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll absolutely take this. Um, I think it's just, I think that Danielson has got a date with MGF at Revolution. Oof. I think the idea is that people need to be reminded about how awesome Danielson is. This will appease Dax Harwood, hopefully keep him off Twitter for a couple of days. If he has a match against Danielson and really <laughs> enjoys doing that, 
So he'll get loads out of it. The fans will get loads out of it. And Danielson, by virtue of winning what is... This is if this dares dip below four stars, you'll think, what a terrible night they've had. Yeah. What a terrible night they've had. It's ultimately, I think, this is um, the <laughs> slow rebuild of Danielson as this absolutely incredible in-ring doyen. And Dax Harwood is possibly the perfect opponent. Bring all of this on in and of itself and for what it potentially means for Danielson in particular in a couple of months' time. Spoiler for the uh, Dynamite preview this week. Sige, this, is match, this match is going to be pretty good, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. We'll probably just have to book spots because there's not really much of a... Like, you can see what, where the results go in because it's a singles match involving FTR. I've, I've got a line in my head that I'm saving for Wednesday. Uh, there you go. Make sure you subscribe. What culture wrestling we're yeah, yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for an excellent analysis like that and uh, this soundboard because next... Just before that, we should talk about the, the back and forth because uh, Tem wasn't there. Mm. He was running late or they couldn't find him or whatever. Evil Uno had been sent to find him. So instead, it's, uh, of course, um, Silver and Reynolds um, going back and forth with uh, Blade. <laughs> I like Blade and Butcher here. Doesn't matter who shows up, we're going to kill you anyway. And uh, Roosh says he's just sick of talking and he wants to fight. And so they are going to fight. And after all, it is, you know. Well, <laughs> He gets like 500 grand a year. This is what I was, I was just about to say, Tony. That button is absolutely free. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love Mark Henry. I'm never going to say people shouldn't be in a job, but it's so weird what they've done with him and show, isn't it? I'm assuming he does more backstage. Yes. You I, would hope you so. Yeah, bloody hope yeah, so. Good talent scout. Um, you'd really hope that he does more than this. Yes, that oh, just limbering up before Rampage. Big night tonight for me. It's time for the main event. Thanks very much, everyone. See you later. He's going to go to his own dressing room or something. It's time for the main event. It's time for the main event. It's time for the main event. Okay. Tony, <laughs> ready when you are, pal. So, yeah, it was um, the Roosh family office. How's that? Um, we didn't start the fire coming along. Uh, the, started, man. <laughs> that should be a Christmas present for our listeners. You run it through the law of the family office. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. You might be getting cool. <laughs> Versus Silver, Reynolds, and hopefully 10 if he shows up. Uh, shows up Because uh, Dark Order have to work uh, with the disadvantage. And they try to use just a quick start to, to take over. But, of course, the three-on-two catches up with them. Alex Reynolds gets isolated. Um, Silver gets the tag, though, and goes to run wild. But he gets caught as he dives to the floor and uh, whipped into a forearm from Roosh, and then just as it looks like, oh, bloody hell, Dark Order's going to get their ass handed to them. Thank God! Here he is. There's Evil Uno, there's Negative One, and there is Ten coming out to the ring, and he runs down, does the whole, ah, squares off with with Roosh, stares him down, and then immediately turns around and takes John Silver's goddamn head off. Um... Evil Uno's like, what bloody hell are you doing? He gets cut off by Butcher and Blade. Roosh hits the bull's horns in the corner on John Silver to get the victory for his team. Um, post-match, Butcher and Blade chuck Uno into the barricade. Um, uh, Silver gets back up and gets hit with the discus lariat, of course, with the history of that in the Dark Order, uh, by 10. And then 10 hits it again on Evil Uno, and they rip open his mask, and he's busted open. Um, and then Roosh and Ten team up to chuck Alex Reynolds off the apron through a table, and in a final betrayal of the Dark Order, 
10 walks up the ramp to a small child crying because his, his hero has deserted his favourite team. And he goes, yeah, just take the mask off anyway. Unmasks himself. Preston Vance uh, now stands with his, his uh, new I don't know, family office mates. What did you make of all this? Utterly fantastic. Absolutely utterly fantastic because I watched this thinking, ooh, should you be doing this? So when I was trapped in the story, yeah. like you should be locked into your viewing experience with professional wrestling or whatever it is that you watch. And then when you stop watching, you can go, that was a work of fiction. I got, I, I escaped into it yeah. and I loved it. Now I can just turn it off and it doesn't affect me at all. When I was in the story, I was thinking, Christ, should he be doing this? Mm. And then when I turned it off, I was thought, what a nice thing you did. Because <laughs> that young grieving child, and he will forever be grieving, mm. just watched his shoot favorite wrestler embark on a really interesting new chapter in his career as opposed to doing nothing. Um, so this kid got to be on telly. He got to watch his favorite wrestler do something really significant, and they're really close pals as well. Like Ten's really mm, yeah. uh, purportedly very, very, very good with negative one. So don't feel sorry for him. It's not real. But it was so well done mm. that they made you think it was real and they made you feel sorry for him. And Negative One's performance was absolutely tremendous. But on every level imaginable, this worked great because they did the right thing by the kid. His favorite wrestler's getting something. Mm. Some elusive direction because he's been doing nothing for ages. Yeah. He's been doing nothing and he's just been hanging on for so long that the idea of, oh, he's a really nice bloke who's really nice to this grieving kid. You don't really think about that. You just think, oh, that's boring arseholes mm. not doing anything. Look at him. I, that's the thing. He could do things. He's got a great power game. Very handsome. Yeah. yeah. When he, uh, I think I'd already seen him without the mask somewhere. He's maybe got I'm, that weird yeah. thing where everyone, every wrestler, not everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a lot of wrestlers, like, oh my God. Like Santa Escobar used to wear a mask. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say him. Yeah. I forgot he was, he was just saw a list or something on, on the El weekend. El Desperado. When he was like El Hijo del I was like, oh yeah, that was the thing, wasn't it? For you a heard bit. the old uh, urban legend about Ultimo Dragon. No. Apparently he was such a bit of totty that Stephen McMahon fancied him. <gasps> That's a good... I like that. I've like had that. some fun doing jokes and that. So I was doing some <laughs> bit about um, Stephanie and said, look, it was about the Kurt Angle love triangle or something. Look, ultimately she just... Uh, she held an affection for the man who was greedy about the gold. But enough about Ultimo Dragon. It was, it was actually Triple H in storylines. Um, no, this is like the match obviously was barely there. Nothing to write home about. No one will remember it. Nice little comeback from John Silver, but it's irrelevant. This broke your heart yeah. in an absolutely majestic way. Made Rampage feel like it mattered. Actually made you enjoy, in retrospect, this storyline. Made it make sense because what's he been doing in the Stark Order? Yeah, exactly. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to the fallout from here because if you think about it, who are the Dark Order now? You've got Silver, Reynolds, Evil Uno. That's it, isn't it? Or is it because if you've got... You're going to pay this off at some point with the storyline. So in the RFO, you've got Ten. Mm-hmm. You've got Roosh. You've got the Butcher and the Blade. That's four. Maybe they could bring back Colt Cabana for a fun little eight-man tag. Ooh. Or if you are, if Andrade ever comes back, a private party still in it? I don't know, mate. I have to re- consult the song that I've not yet <laughs> written. But you can maybe get Grayson. He's had a cameo. He's great. He's not signed anywhere. Yeah, he's really talented as so, well. So, yeah, there's directions this can take now. I just, I, I really like this. I never thought you would join the RFO. No. Because it's like, cool, this storyline's going nowhere. It's like, you know, when transfer season, 
you're buzzing. You're going to transfer centre. This is for professional football. So- not soccer, MJF. Love that tweet, by the way. I mate. tried to school you, and you didn't listen. But you'll learn at some point. Soccer, football, right? You ever, and like, so if you don't know how it works, because I don't know how hand egg works, right? <laughs> but um, we have things called relegations and like drama and stakes. We also have transfers where for a sum of money, one player can transfer from a club to another. Do you ever see like lateral Premier League moves and you're thinking, why? Mm. Why have you moved from one mid-table club to another? The only material benefit of which is like the arse hole of moving house, which yeah. someone wants to do. <laughs> it's like, why have you gone from like, I don't know, Everton to West Ham? Yeah. Why? You just Why would you go from the Dark Order to the RFO? <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Why have you done that? That's one of the oddest transfers I've ever seen. <laughs> but ultimately, if you make a kid cry, it's, <laughs> it's really effective dramatically, so I can understand why. Yeah, and there was a nice sort of old school element to it. Yes, there was obviously the whole, oh, bloody putting him through a table and then it, with Alex uh, Reynolds. But I did like the really simple stuff of, of uh, 10 going to do the, the dark order and just going, Flipping the bird piss. Oh, I'm not doing that crap anymore. He had a right old laugh backstage. Ten, yeah. uh, negative one, and yeah. ten. So yeah, really good stuff and a, a hell of a way to, to finish off this show. Let us know your thoughts on it on Twitter at What Culture WWE. Uh, watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for a daily wrestling podcast. Myself, Sidge, and Hamlet will be back a little bit later on today to look ahead to tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. Cameroon drawing 3 3 with Serbia. What? Thriller. Oh, better wrap this up. Right. But for now, this has been the uh, Rampage review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.